cars are awesome. Paying for cars is not awesome. You know, when it comes to cars, people fall into two ways of thinking. There's the, what's the cheapest monthly payment I can get? And then there's, what's the cheapest long-term way to drive a car? And we call it leasing or buying. You know, the thing about leasing is you get a cheaper monthly payment. But the thing about leasing is you never get to make a very special type of payment, which is called the final payment. You see, when you buy a car, you get to make the final payment. And you know what happens at that point? Now you own it. It's paid off. And you get a pink slip, which is really not pink, just to let you know. If you've never seen a pink slip, it's, there's a hint of pink on part of it. But um, throw that in. But it's really fun to make the final payment on a car or a student loan. Uh, I, I can't wait for the day to make a final payment on a house. I mean, that's going to be kind of cool when all of a sudden you go, okay, the payments are, are done. Now, that doesn't mean repairs are done, but the payments are done. But sometimes in life, you know, we want things to be done. You know, where's the end in sight? Like, is it something that I got to do all the time, or is there is there like an end? And in Romans 13, Paul's talking to the church there, and and he says, you know, if you owe taxes, pay taxes. You know, give to everyone what you owe them. If it's revenue, give them revenue. If it's respect, give respect. Honor, give honor. And then in verse 8 of Romans chapter 13, he says this. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. Whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. First of all, I love, I love what Paul says. You know, he's like, do not steal, do not commit adultery, and, you know, kind of all the other commandments there may be too. Just throws that in there. He goes, love. Love your neighbor. He goes, you fulfill the whole law when you love. But what was the entry point? He said, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. That means it's never paid off. There's never a final payment. Okay, I've loved enough. Now I don't have to anymore. You know, I want you to think for a moment about popular verse that's quoted in Acts 20, verse 35, Paul quotes from Jesus and he says, 
It's more blessed to give than receive. And I don't know how you felt, but, you know, you bring stuff that you know is going to go to great needs or, I don't know, we give to hope. And I always imagine, like, who are the people? Where do they live? What countries? Maybe one day I'll get to fellowship them in heaven. Maybe I'll never know. But, like, what needs are going to be met by, by what I gave? And you think, wow, it's just, you know, you feel so good when you give. You go, why would we ever want it to end? And yet too often, we want the debt to be done. For parents, think about when you had your first child. That baby was born. Did I remember when Michael was born in the hospital? And I got a little irritated with the nurse because I felt like she wasn't being gentle with him as she was going to change his diaper. And they, you know, said, Mr. Hammer, would you like to change his diaper? And I'm like, yes, I sure would. Um, you know, this is like the first time I've wondered what this is going to be like. And, you know, change his diaper and then you change the diaper. And I was like, I was horrified. <laughs> I, I was like, um, I got the nurse in there. I go, there's something wrong with my child because there's this black tar in his diaper. It was not what I was expecting. And the nurse like, oh, that's normal. I think it's called like marconium or meconium or something like that. And it's like all this dried blood cells. I was like, oh, well, that would have been a helpful need-to-know item that you educate the parents with. So I knew that because I didn't know. Maybe everyone's supposed to know that. I did not. So I thought there was something horribly wrong. But I still thought, man, this is so cool. Now let's stop and analyze for a moment what I was thinking and what you're thinking. Changing my son's diaper is so cool. Now go to like nine months later. Or if this is your seventh child. The cool factor of changing a diaper has long come and gone. And now you're thinking about things like potty training. Because you want it to be over. You just want it to be done. You know, there's parenting stages of life that you don't know about until you become a parent. Here's another one. Get your own bowl of cereal on Saturday morning stage. <laughs> that is a stage of parenting development. When they are old enough, you do not need to wake me up to get your own bowl of cereal. You can watch as many cartoons as you want and eat cereal. That is a parenting stage. But can you imagine a brand new nursing mom, you know, baby's born and, and go, wait, I fed my baby yesterday. I got to feed them again. Wait, how many times a day? Every day? Seriously? What if I'm tired? What if I don't feel good? What if I'm busy? What if I need some downtime, some me time, some relaxation time? Like you would look at the new mom and you'd go, wait, it's a baby. What's a baby supposed to do? You, you would recognize, you go, that would be a really odd way of thinking for a brand new mom to go, wait, now how often am I supposed to feed this? 
baby. (laughs) Because you go, that's just what moms do with the newborn. You take care of it. You meet the needs. You see, now I want you to think about the needs presented for us and our life. Say, so how many more times do I got to help you with this problem? You got the same need again? Isn't this struggle in your life? We've had this talk how many times? What, you got in another argument with your spouse? How many more health problems? How many more sorrows? How many more hurts? How many more financial problems? And we start thinking, when does it end? When is enough enough? So with that in mind, let's go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. In verse 25, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. So Jesus answers a question. But it was a different question than what the expert asked. You see, the expert was saying, what do I have to do? How many times? How much is enough? How many needs? How much love? And so... You see it in this question, what must I do? How many times do I have to perform the loving act to be able to go to heaven? Jesus didn't answer his question. He answered a different one. He said, correct answer. Now, just do that. That's kind of like the nursing mom. And if she was to say, how many times do I need to feed my baby? And Jesus just says, whenever they're hungry. You see, they're asking how many times, and Jesus just says, feed the child. Just do this. Live that way. It's not about how many times. It's just being loving. Well, so this guy didn't know what to do with Jesus' answer. So then he comes up with a follow-up question. Oh, yeah? So who's my neighbor? You know, where are the love boundaries? Okay, are you telling me i got to be loving in this situation? What about this one? What about that? And so he's trying to find... Okay, where are the parameters of realistic love living that would be required for somebody who wants to go to heaven? 
Once again, Jesus doesn't answer his question. He tells him a story. We're familiar with it. It's the Good Samaritan. It says, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man. He passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you. For any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You see, he never answered the question that the expert was really asking. Which is, how loving do I need to be? What do I have to do? Jesus said, just go be that way. Good answer. Just go love. Say, how many times? Just go love. How many times do I got to serve? Just serve. How many needs do I got to meet? Just meet needs. You see, mercy prompts action. You know, mercy, you're not meeting a need because somebody deserves it. You don't meet a need because they can pay you back in return. You just do it because you have mercy on them. You love and you just meet the needs. You know, I love this time of year because there's a lot of giving that goes on. But what if we said, okay, we're going to do a food drive every single Sunday. Would you be as excited? You're like, wait, Ron, every Sunday we're going to do the same thing? Yeah! And we're going to give the hope worldwide. We're going to have International Day of Giving, but that day is just going to be Sunday. And so every Sunday, we're going to give to Hope Worldwide. You know, all of a sudden, our perspective would change. Because sometimes in our heart, we love to give, but we want limits. And that was the same thing the expert of the law was asking Jesus, what's my limit? How much is enough? At what point can I stop? And Jesus just says, no, go and do likewise. There are no limits. Just be merciful. I'm thankful that the people that love me don't put limits on their love for me. Because if they would have, I'm sure I've crossed those boundaries many times. You know, if there was a point where enough's enough, 
My wife wouldn't be with me. My kids wouldn't love me. You wouldn't think much of me either. But in Christ, we're called to not have boundaries. We just keep loving. Not a question of how much. It's just we do whatever we can, motivated by a heart of mercy. In James chapter 2, he talks about this. And, you know, you think about this time of giving and it's, it could be compartmentalized. But, you know, there's, there's been some great uh, highlight activities, you know, all the stuff that we're doing. But like the garage sale uh, for Hope, it was organized at the Felici home. Not only did the Felicis participate in it, but then at 5 a.m., Caesar and Rachel made chilaquiles for all of the volunteers. You see, so we're going to do we're going to do garage sales every Saturday at the Felici home. The campus is coming over for breakfast. It's going to be awesome. But they didn't need to bake breakfast. I mean, they're already hosting the event. They did that. You know, I think about the Jadarian family group. And uh, they got an idea to put together holiday Thanksgiving dinner baskets. So it's kind of a, a complete self-contained Thanksgiving dinner that they're going to give out to 10 needy families in the community. You know, it's just something extra. You say, well, Why? Because there's a need. You know, that's the heart that we want to have. We're not asking for the limit. We're saying, any other needs? What else can we do? And in James 2, he says in verse 8, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Then down in verse 13 or 12, he says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Say, so how many of us would want to live life in an, in an atmosphere of condemnation and judgment? Because it's like, oh, my new job, I hope my boss is condemning You know, rateyourprofessor.com. We're getting classes for next, next semester. I want to find the ones that are just really critical, the students in hardline. Yes, that's the professor I want. You know, maybe you get a bad grade on a test and you're like, oh, I hope my parents are completely judgmental when I come home from school. That'll be awesome. I'll appreciate their high standard. I'll be a better man for it. No, we don't want our spouse to be that way. We don't, we don't want anyone to be that way. And God doesn't want us to be that way. He wants us to be merciful. And he says, you know what happens when you're merciful? You'll be shown mercy. 
But don't you see the scripture in play? You go, here's another way of saying it. The people that dish it out are, are the ones that can't take it. The most condemning and critical are the ones that can't handle criticism. You know, why, why is that? Because it says that if you live a judgmental life, that's what you're going to be treated with. Say, so we want to be shown mercy? James says, be merciful. One of the most amazing things about what, what James is saying here is that mercy, you know, and you think about the Good Samaritan, what was it? Who was the neighbor? The one who had mercy. Go and do likewise. Go and be merciful. That when we're merciful, when we meet needs, when we love, when we lay down our life, when we inconvenience ourselves, when we serve somebody else, when we help them with the problem, it heals the person who we're helping. But James says it heals us on the inside. Say, now why would we ever want that to end? That's why Jesus wouldn't answer his question. Not within the context of what he said. He's going, how many times? But the question really wouldn't make sense. Like I remember in Singapore, they had these three um, brothers that were leading churches in uh, highly persecuted areas. You know, they'd all been arrested in prison. There'd been deaths of disciples. They, I mean, they said things like, oh, if you get beat up or burned for your faith, that's normal and we can handle that. And I remember somebody from the audience, they opened it up for questions and said, what would you tell a minister who is going to speak to his church if people were struggling with their commitment? And you can see this look on his face like, wait, what do you what do you mean? Like there's people in the church that might not want to come. And he just kind of shook his head and he goes, well, that's just the way you ought to be. But you could tell the question didn't compute. Because when you're living in a place where to be a Christian, you are putting your life on the line every day. Like the, the question wouldn't make sense. And so here's this guy going, how many times is enough? She's like, well, just be loving. Just go and do likewise. You gave the right answer. Be merciful. Be loving. Now, just go and do it. Say, so, so what, what do we do? Well, there are certain areas where we don't have barriers in our love. Keep it up. And there's other areas where walls have been developed. We created no-fly zones. And most of the time, in short, we feel like, I loved enough and it didn't work and I'm done. Say, so those are the areas of our heart that Jesus is speaking to us today. Saying, mercy triumphs over judgment. Go and do likewise. You say... 
this expert in the law, was he a totally unloving guy? I don't think so. I think he probably had a whole lot of areas in his life where he was very loving. But I would venture a guess that one of his limitations of love was Samaritans. Which is why Jesus told a story that had a Samaritan as the hero. You see, what, what is limitations asking? What's well, saying, can I keep the walls and still go to heaven? Have I loved enough? Well, this morning, Jesus says, it's, it's more blessed to give than receive. And healing is there. Healing on the outside, but healing in the inside. For you, for me. Say, well, what will we do? I'd venture a guess that each one of us is well in touch with where our boundaries of love lie. And the question is, what are you going to do? Will you leave with the wall intact? Or will you hear what Jesus told the expert in the law and say, no, nah, it's time to go and do likewise. There is no answer to how many. I just need to love. He says, go and do likewise. There's no end. There's a continuing debt. We wake up every morning with the debt of love and mercy toward others in our life. It will not end. So let's respond. Let's hear the call. And let's break down the walls. Let's go into that territory that has locked us up. The walls create conflict and judgment. Yet on the other side of those walls broken down is mercy. You know, that's where we want to live. That's where relationships thrive. Let's do our part. Jesus had a great teaching time. This man got his question answered, but it was a different one. You know, maybe you came here this morning with questions. Jesus is giving you an answer. May not have been the one you asked, but he's got a path marked out for us. What will you be prepared to do? Jesus says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, you've answered correctly. You know, Christianity is pretty simple when you see what God's trying to do. Let's not make it complicated. Let's imitate the heart of Christ. Thank you again for all the giving you've already done, but let's make it a lifestyle. And let's not put boundaries on what we do. Let's stand as we close in a final song.